0: Welcome to Call That Girl's Office 365 Show. Keep up with Lisa's day-to-day problems and solutions she encounters with Outlook, third-party apps, and Office 365. The learning never ends, folks. Learn from Lisa. You're listening to Call That Girl's Office 365 Show. I'm Lisa Hendrickson, your hostess, and this is show number 22. Just a reminder, you can find all my shows and notes at callthatgirl.biz slash office365 or on the PodNuts network, podnuts.com slash ctg. And this show is our first live YouTube broadcast. So if you want to uh, be aware of when we have other broadcast shows live, subscribe to my channel at youtube.com slash callthatgirl. And you should get notifications of all the live events coming up. Now, this show is about Outlook and Office 365. So if you're an inspiring Office 365 tech or veteran and just like listening to stories, I welcome everyone. Just as an FYI, I do talk a lot about Microsoft Exchange migrations. And in time, as I do more shows, we will touch upon other Office 365 products as well. The reason why I focus more on migrations is because so many people are moving to Office 365 for Microsoft Exchange, and um, this is kind of what the techs really need to learn about the most, I think, right now. Then we can move into the other stuff later. If you have any questions, feel free to email me at lisa callthatgirl.biz. And I welcome stories, questions. If you want to be a guest, let me know. And before we get going, I'd like to take a moment to thank our new show sponsor, AppRiver. Uh, AppRiver is email and web security specialists. Um, AppRiver offers phenomenal Office 365 Sales and Support, and they have been my preferred vendor for all my clients for two years now, and I'm thrilled to have them on as a sponsor. If you have listened to my past shows, you have probably heard me speak about AppRiver often, and to set up a time to talk to my sales rep, Steve Harris, you can email him at s.harris@appriver.com. at With us here on the show is Marvin B. from Florida, who I've met in person before. Welcome, Marvin.
1: Hello, Lisa.
0: Hello, and Marvin was a guest oh, a couple of shows ago. Yeah. Um, we just kind of, with Derek, we talked about a few things of Office 365, and Marvin had an upcoming migration that's going to be our topic of the show later on, and uh, Marvin said it was pretty juicy, so we want to hear all the details.
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, thick, thick and juicy.
0: <laughs> I don't think any migration goes well. <laughs> I've had some nice ones that kind of go well, but... uh Okay, so Marvin, before I jump into my cute stories of the week, I tell uh, we were just talking before on pre-show about going to the CompTIA conference, ChannelCon in Chicago, in August third through the fifth. Right. So Marvin here is saying he, because he's a independent contractor or consultant. Sorry. He cannot take off like, you know, five or six days to go. So why don't you tell us what you plan on doing?
1: Yeah, right now uh, I probably will be flying in Sunday night and uh, enjoying any pre-conference festivities with uh, some of the other techs that are going early. And I'll probably be there Monday and probably part of Tuesday. Okay. Uh, and then I'll fly back uh, Tuesday night because I I just can't leave uh that many days. I, I do have some projects that are going on so sure. um, probably a couple of server migrations around that time so um, I've tried to check out uh, all of the topics that are going to be going on with uh, speakers uh-huh. and some of the breakout sessions and picked a couple that I'll that I'll go Good. to but mainly I'm going to see other techs and see yeah. a, lot the, a lot of the Pod Nuts community <laughs> uh, tech nibble people and uh, that's really why I'm going to be going It's
0: it's really going to be, I think, a fascinating event for all technicians and podcasting fans. And uh, I'll give a little uh, story about last year's comp I went to in Phoenix, as I've never gone to a tech conference ever. I flew in on Sunday, and lo and behold, I'm not even kidding you, I walk in the hotel, and the first person I run into is Mike Smith from the Mike Tech Show. (laughs) It was pretty hilarious. I'm like... Hey, there's Mike. And then all of a sudden, there's Carrie Holzman. So those two guys were kind of like my buddies for the whole event, you know, because he kind of like similar things, you know. Right. And the event itself was interesting because it was a mix of technicians, which I would have to say that there wasn't a lot of like our kind of level technicians there, but a lot of technology people and MSP and VAR and SAR and a lot of vendors and a lot of really – um high-level kind of tech, technical people, I guess, Mm -hmm. that, I I don't know, I guess, you know, when I went to see the speaker lineup, I actually had to work during the whole event last year, so I would work in the hotel room and then go down to the events as I could. Uh I didn't have, this year I'll be more prepared, but uh, anyway, I went from Sunday to Wednesday, I think I flew home, and uh, this year, I'm going to come in on Saturday, and I think I'm going to drive it, because I'm only six hours from Chicago. And I'm doing an exhibit booth, and I'm also managing the – we're doing a podcasting show for a bunch of podcasters. And so far, I believe the confirmed lineup is – I'll try to remember everybody. Matt Rainey, Matt Rodella, Jeff Hallish, Door-to-Door Geek, myself, Chris Carruthers, and I think that might be it. Oh, Mike Smith, too. So it's a pretty good lineup of podcasters that are coming. And then – there's also going to be a technical meetup that might be blended with that podcasting show because we only get uh, two hours. Right. So, And then so, there's a couple other events going on as well.
1: So you got a virtual who's who of Podnuts.
0: Kind of. Or the podcasting community, I guess yep. we could add, because Matt Rainey has his own and Matt Rodella and Mike Smith. Right. But um, it's looking like it's going to be a really good meetup for everybody to you know do some, you know. Talking about stuff in person, meeting each other, the value I know is that when I met Carrie and Mike last year, it just kind of solidified some other parts of our relationship, you know, like meeting people in person, having dinner with them, talking. And that's why it's good for you to come on Sunday probably, Marvin, because the pre-night.
1: Yeah, and I remember watching the live show from Mm -hmm. Phoenix last year and remembering Mike and Carrie talking about how, you know, that was the first time they had met. Face-to-face. Yeah. <laughs> so, getting those interactions is it's it's a huge thing. Uh, yeah. To to actually connect with others in the industry that are you know a lot of times going through the same struggles that we are going through, and uh, it just makes that camaraderie that much more sweeter.
0: Mm-hmm. I actually met uh, Chris, my uh, white label partner, for the first time there. Brothers, year and a half. I think at that point we're into maybe a year. You know, we have a virtual business relationship and I never even met him until we got there. So there's a lot of value to coming to the event. So uh, just to, to a little promo here again is it's in Chicago. August 3rd through the 5th is the official three days. The Comp TA offerings are pretty big. They give you transportation if you get the tickets through us. So if you want to check out the full list, you can go to um, callthatgirl.biz slash comp. TIA and CompTIA is more than just a certificate You know, company for networking and all that stuff. It's They have a lot of learning opportunities and value-add and um, outside of that, we're doing our stuff and um, I recommend anybody wanting to get out for a few days to come to the event. Okay, we can move on now, Marvin. So before we hit on to your stuff, I'm going to talk about a couple big jobs I did this week that uh, are I'm, – I'm never surprised when I get these calls in because – I kind of think I have always seen it all until the next one comes in. And um, the, one I, the one that kind of shocked me was this guy calls in and says, um, my Outlook is missing all my folders and all my files. And I could never tell if this is going to be a 15-minute job or whatever. So I remote in, and I'm like, oh, it just looks like your Gmail, I think it was Gmail, wasn't configured correctly, so let's just go configure it correctly because he had it set up for pop. And Gmail works better with IMAP. Right. So I, I go, yeah, let's set it up, and, and we downloaded it, and only uh, his inbox and his sent came in. He goes, oh, no, that's not all of everything. And I was like, man, that was like a lot of email alone. So I then he said his IT person couldn't find the files, and that to me is a big uh, clue that it's probably an OST file because a lot of technicians miss the OST because they're looking in the, you know, they open up. Uh, the data files through Outlook, and they can't see the OST. And lo and behold, I find a 25-gig OST hiding. And, you know, you can't open those in Outlook. And the OST repair doesn't come with 2010 anymore. So basically, I said to him, well, I was a half hour into this job. I said, let's run the OST repair converter tool and see what happens. That's the best I can offer you. And he's like, how long is this going to take? And I'm like, hours days. I mean, 25 gigs is a lot. Yep. So I ran the Stellar OST to PST converter tool, which I've always had success with, and uh, <laughs> it it actually crashed when I was trying to register it, which really kind of made me mad because I was already five hours into this, and I'm babysitting it, right? So I tell the client, okay, look, I have to try to fix this, but it's it showed all the files, okay? He was happy. So I ran it again, and it fixed it within five hours again. This time I got to register fine. And it took two solid days to convert this PST.
1: That sounds about right.
0: And, and it turned into a 35 gig PST when I was done. So, <laughs> so I was like, you know, I billed him two hours for the work and then an extra hour to help him. I had to part out that PST file because 35 gigs in Outlook 2010 is about, it's like having a heart attack. Yeah. You know. So I cleaned all that up, three hours build. Pretty good job. You now know?
1: was it was it actually three hours on keyboard? Because I know that you didn't just sit there and watch the uh, conversion.
0: Well, for the first two hours I consider babysitting time in there too. I usually build two hours for these jobs if I don't have to do the file management of it. Right. If I do file management I charge usually a full hour because I'm doing the cut and pasting and you have to watch it the whole time, you know. I just kind of all inclusive it usually. And hmm. Well, I mean, how much do you charge for something like
1: that? Well, actually, what I had been doing is doing it hourly. So you were
0: tracking every minute you were on the computer?
1: Well, yeah, well, but it was, (laughs) it was, uh, yeah, I was tracking on keyboard time. Really? uh, So that during the transfers, uh, I wasn't counting that time. So basically, I, you know, it's more like a half hour on the front end, half hour on the back end. And then any cleanup time and stuff like that. So it's probably around two and a half hours per mailbox. This was okay. the first job that I actually uh, quoted a flat rate on, and um, it actually came out about the same um, in terms of being on target okay. with what my actual time was. So it worked out. It worked out well. My hope is is that I can be able to charge a flat rate and be under the time by a significant amount.
0: Yeah. Well, I thought about doing project pricing, but you know what? This could have gone a really bad way and I could have spent a couple more hours. So for me to babysit the job for the first round, and I actually did some work, you know, I figured two hours is fair and then an hour to move all the mail out of the PSTs, which by the way, went a lot more smoother this time because I moved out in groups of five and to seven gigs at a time instead of what I do sometimes is clear out the PST the backwards way. And this time I was like, he had enough folders that I made six PSTs, I think out of that. <laughs> that was just a lot. I'm just so surprised, but nothing really shocks me. And then I had uh, another lady. Interestingly, uh, this is a, a quick one. She was on her Mac and she's a Gmail user. And she also has an iCloud account and a Mac account. and I mean, all these free accounts and her, her Gmail account was showing her name as um, U.S. Hol- holidays and U.S. calendar, I think it said.
1: As the primary calendar?
0: Yeah. No, as the name on the account. Oh,
1: did
0: it? Oh. So when she got emails, instead of saying her name, it said the words holidays in U.S. calendar. And that was really weird. So I've never heard of that. So, of course, I go to my reference manual. <laughs> and... I find this one post in some Microsoft form that's actually a hijack from a Gmail calendar that got subscribed to her by accident. So I went into her Gmail calendar account settings and unsubscribed from the Holidays in U.S. calendar. Went away.
1: Hmm.
0: I know. I was just I'm just always fascinated when little glitches like that happen for no reason, you know. And um, let's see, what my last one is here. I had, uh, trying to look at my notes. Um, oh man, I think I'm gonna save this one for the next show. This one's so long. Five <laughs> days on this job. I only billed her four hours, too. I felt so bad for the lady. But, all right, well, Marvin, let's see here. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm just gonna save that for next time. Um, the other, the other job I did yesterday, which is kind of one that a lot of other techs might experience, is a client um, on her Yahoo account, she couldn't log into Outlook. And it turned out, of course, to be a password issue, which is common. And once we got into her account, she had 425,000 emails. Have you ever seen that many?
1: Um, I don't believe I have.
0: I actually told her, I'm going to take a screenshot of this and show it off. Now, it was a corrupted PST file that just kept downloading, of course, and I believe it was probably a lot of duplication, and she had 415,000 unread emails, so there was obviously a problem. So I downloaded it all to a PST file, and then once I was done, um, I said, you know what, this is going to take forever, so let's just go see what Yahoo IMAP has. And the interesting thing was, it was kind of like a mistake meant to happen, I set up her um, Yahoo IMAP, and all of her folders from the IMAP came down, which she was pleasantly surprised to see. And then I also said, "Well, let's let this all download, and then we can take it off the server now." And she had um, last time I checked, seventy thousand in her inbox. That's just. I insane. just don't. I just can't. I have no email in my inbox. I just don't understand how people are just gonna let that build up, but anyway, we're going to have a, another appointment on Tuesday to go and start deleting things off this Yahoo server because it was at twenty six gigs. It's a lot <laughs>
1: that, that is a lot. I think the highest that I saw uh, was about a hundred and seventy
0: thousand. Wow I, that screenshot I took is that technical it's called the 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 most email I've ever seen in the inbox thread. <laughs> Insane. <laughs> I know. I seriously had a heart attack. All right, folks. Uh, just a reminder: if anybody has any questions, feel free to email me, Lisa at CallThatGirl.biz. And if you're a fan of the show, please go to my website and share the show, CallThatGirl.biz/Office365. And if you're interested in purchasing my eBooks, which the, the hottest one out is How to Do Microsoft Exchange Migrations. You can check them out at callthatgirl.biz/publications. publications. All right, Marvin, let's hear all about your story. I'm ready. Oh,
1: my joy.
0: <laughs> I'm ready to hear all about it.
1: Well, let me start by just giving a quick premise. This is a fairly new customer for us that I have probably mentioned on another podcast. They had Office 365 already. Okay but they also had a local server, and they were trying to do all of this syncing between the server and the cloud. They originally had tried it with the SharePoint in the Office 365. That did not work. Then they tried to do OneDrive, but they were using OneDrive Personal. And they were trying to do it with the owner's OneDrive account, synced up to the server, but then share it with the rest of the office. That wasn't working. So I got referred to them to clean all this up. (laughs) And basically, when I went in and looked at it and got to looking at all of the Office 365 stuff they were trying to do in the SharePoint, it just wasn't going to work. And I told them, you've got to choose. You either do the server and share your documents out that way, have people remote in, terminal server, whatever, or you go completely to Office 365 and SharePoint and share your documents through there. Microsoft basically, you know, I think that they they are starting to bring back utilities that will allow sharing hybrid scenarios with an on-premise server, but in the beginning, that never was their intention. They wanted everything in the cloud, so I, that's what I, you know, got them to do. So we cleaned up their server, got them off, and they were using Office three sixty five just for mail. Okay. Didn't hear from them from them for months, until about a month month and a half ago, when they were having a whole bunch of issues, and they had just decided, well, they're going to fix a bunch of things at one time they were going to move their office 365 account from microsoft to another office 365 <laughs> provider not named app river
0: <laughs> not named app river <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: and i asked why and they said well our hosting is there our website is there oh, and we we no. think that putting it all under one umbrella is going to fix a lot of this well after talking with them about stuff and getting multiple phone calls and most of their phone calls were really about connection issues, where they would yeah. lose connection to their, they would say their outlook. But it turns out they would lose connection to everything. So I yeah. actually said, well, I need to come on site and see your environment, because it really doesn't sound like it's an Office 365 yeah. issue. So I went down there, did some checking, plugged in my uh, Fluke network analyzer, and immediately noticed that there was a issue with their internal network.
0: What well, was choking it?
1: <laughs> well, what initially I thought I went to the uh cable connection of the main person complaining, which was the owner. And immediately saw that there were some uh late uh packet issues and I thought, well, it must be a cable issue. Got my cable analyzed and the cable itself was fine. Hmm. So I went and checked the switch. Turned out the switch ports were showing bad. So I went and test all of them and said, Look, I... I don't think you've got a connection issue in terms of Office 365. I think you've got to replace this switch. They actually had two switches. They had one switch for their computers, one switch for their voice over IP, which they're using. I won't mention the name, but they're using a hosted voice over IP solution. So that was another issue with their bandwidth. They were routing all of their information through a consumer-grade router. That was also their Wi-Fi connection instead of letting their server Route all the traffic. So their router was handing out DHCP, DNS for both the wired and the wireless networks. To make a long story short, I was able to go in there, change out the switch, clean up the network, got rid of their connection issues. That was on a It'll Tuesday. A job
0: closed, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> so that was on a Tuesday. And so Tuesday afternoon, they're like, well, we're ready to switch over on Friday. Can you go ahead and do that for us? And I said, well, we haven't really done any prep work. I need to do prep work with it. So they're like, well, how long will that take? I said, well, I need a day to come in and check all the computers. They just didn't want to wait that long because that would have pushed them to this weekend, which I wasn't going to do a migration over a holiday weekend. No. I'm already booked for the next two weekends. They would have had to wait a month. So it was last week or or nothing.
0: Well, hold on a second. You fixed the issues. But they still were like, no, nah, we still aren't happy, so we still want you to migrate us from exchange to exchange.
1: Well, let me probably clarify <laughs> that a little bit. They had already purchased the Office 365 accounts at the other provider. Other,
0: because they got talked into it by some yes. sales hustling.
1: Yeah, they, they had a nice salesperson that tried to explain to them that it's going to be so much easier, so much better, <sighs> oh, so much cheaper. Yes. You're going to save money.
0: Oh, and we have great sales and support.
1: Yes, Yeah, and their sales and support was, okay, we can do this, this, and this, and then you have to have a tech do this, this, and this.
0: Yeah, so really, you're going to spend a couple grand
1: to lose uh, a lot of money. Yeah, so they had already had the accounts, (laughs) and, of course, they were getting notifications, you know, your Office 365 needs to be set up, hurry, hurry, hurry. So that's (laughs) that's what prompted it. Urgency, urgency. So this was actually... Um, uh, nineteen accounts is oh, yeah. really what we were talking about.
0: I've have never done that many.
1: But there were actually only twelve computers. Oh, okay. Because seven of the people were actually outside of the office and they used either webmail or their phones in order to access their email.
0: Well, so those other seven people, you got to do a lot more work
1: for. Actually, okay. <laughs> well, actually, it turned out I didn't have to do a lot, but I I thought so. Okay. Because I thought I was going to have to, you know, contact each one of them individually. I need to see their phones. I need to, you know. But it actually turned out really good. One of the things that I did some very quick research, and I had heard about um, the migration tools from Code2. Okay. Uh, And it's Code2.com, C-O-D-E-T-W-O. I've heard of them. I've heard of them. And this wasn't a true Exchange migration. So they have a utility called the Office 365 Backup and Restore Tool. Okay. So in my mind, and after talking with the tech from the new company, you know, he was like, well, hey, all you do is back up and then restore and upload and we'll be fine. Okay. So I said, okay, so the quickest way to do the download, in my opinion, was to get the Code 2 tool, uh, which starts out at 10 bucks per user. So, I mean, it's really, really cheap when you're looking at what it does. So, I started on a Friday night, got them all to shut down and not think that they would be able to use their email, you know, between Friday and Sunday sometime. Mm -hmm. Did the download of their backup, and that actually went very well. And that finished, I think I started it at 5.15 in the afternoon. It finished around 3 a.m. So all 19 mailboxes. And... Basically, by 9 o'clock Saturday morning, I was ready to create all the accounts at the new um, the new provider. Mm-hmm. Shut down the Office 365 at the Microsoft. Okay. It took a little time for the accounts to actually become live and send out the email saying, we're not ready for you to upload mail. Then I went to the backup tool and selected accounts and simply hit restore. Mm-hmm. So... No, okay,
0: now I'm to to <laughs> <laughs> that all seemed to be pretty easy, Marvin.
1: So did the first know? joy comes at the one mailbox that uh, I did not take into account the size and the speed of their internet connection. Oh, that's tough. So this is where I want to really make a point for anybody doing jobs like this. You have got to go through your prerequisite checklist. Yeah. The stuff that I had wanted to do, and they said we didn't have time to do. And normally what I would do, and I do this for server migrations, network migrate, all my stuff, is I go physically on site, and I check computers. I check software. I check mailbox size. I check all these things ahead of time. Uh, And even though I was there and had switched out their router and some other stuff, I never verified what their actual Internet speed was. Bad, bad, bad. And turns out that they had, um, which I thought was good, because they originally had had a T1 account, and they had moved over to a cable account. Okay. And so when I did the first, uh, not the first, actually, I think it was the third mailbox, was a 20.6 gig mailbox (laughs) with 62,848 items. 62,000. And the estimated restore time for that was one day, 19 hours. Okay. If you're doing multiples on site, you could probably work around (laughs) that. But I was doing this from my office. Their office is an hour away, and I was doing everything remote on their server. Their download speed was about 10 meg. The up was the back, one. <laughs> which, the up was actually uh, it was supposed to be three, but it was around two point six oh, in there.
0: Times twelve mailboxes.
1: Yeah. and the first and the third one was twenty point six gig. So I quickly had to scramble and call them and say, your upload speed probably isn't what it is yeah. supposed to be. So they did some scrambling. They were able to get in touch with their provider, get an upgrade okay. and they were able to upgrade to a ten meg upload. Uh,
0: nice. Temporarily which, or permanent, which no, they're doing
1: it, permanent. it's permanent. It's permanent. <laughs> Good. It's a fifty down and ten up. Cool. So that that is going to be great for them. So that was the first hurdle that I ran into where wow. you know it significantly, you know, lessened the time. It still took me into Tuesday morning yeah. to get all of those mailboxes transferred over. I can't imagine what it would have been if we had you know not been able to change that upload speed.
0: So Marvin, let me ask you a question on in terms of the desktop outlook. So did you have to remote into each computer and set up a new profile for them, or did they just magically do it on their own profile?
1: I did, um, but I didn't have to do it for the backup. I did have to do it to set new. up you know the new profile okay. and and do that way. So yes, I did have to do okay. that. You know, delete the old profile, create a new one, and everything started coming in.
0: Okay, so now Here's a question about aftercare stuff. So for you to do 19 people, which I have to correct myself, I actually did do a 22-person, my very first migration I ever did. But mine was, um, I had a lot of techs help me, and they're still doing it the way I do it now. You're doing it uh, what I'd call the MSP way, the not break-fix technician way, which I will explain later. But the point is, is do you get calls from the client saying, look, my autofill's gone and stuff is wrong and... It's like a new profile for them, right? Do you tell them they just have to start
1: over? In this case, I didn't get those calls, or at least I haven't gotten them yet. Mm -hmm. But the biggest thing I got was for people who who did not have their mailbox ready first thing Monday morning were obviously in a panic. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's So That's what we ended up having to do, that they were able to at least send and receive new mail. But they yep. just didn't have access to their old mail until the upload had finished. And even though the the people that were you know, being uploaded, uh, they could see part of their mailbox because, of course, when you've yeah. got you know so many items, it only you know you may see your sent items uh-huh. you know, or your deleted items first, but then you don't see your inbox and the folders. And it, it was just a matter of not having enough time to prepare them to say, look, you're going to have to be patient. Your stuff will be it's there. It's called
0: managing expectations,
1: Marvin. <laughs> some that's, point done. Yep. that's
0: my biggest takeaway for everybody on this show is the migration part is easy. It's the managing the expectations of the clients. And and for you to say you should check their internet speed, I've had that burn me many, many times where I don't even think about it. And all of a sudden, I'm like, why is it not doing it? Oh, because they're on like one up. You DSL. <laughs> Super slow. And so I think in my migration checklist that I talked about in my last show, I'm going to add that, but at least figure it out. But, but I do remote for a lot of people in different offices around the country sometimes, and most people are okay with, as, as long as they know that it's synchronizing and they can use it on the portal and on their phone, they don't care. Right. They know it's a migration, and a migration is a big technical project. So if you tell them it's going to take a while, they they're okay with that.
1: Well, in most scenarios, I have a long relationship with a lot of my clients, so when we do these migrations, I have the time to sit down (laughs) with them and go over this. This was just a scenario where they're new. They're new. They were, you know, impatient. They were pushy. They wanted to get done, and 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 rather than stand my ground like I normally would, because with my current clients, I just I can flat out tell them no. Yeah. And they don't argue with me because I've been with them long enough and they've been through enough fires with me to know that don't push it, let's do it right.
0: Yeah, you know, a lot of times I've, I, I've had the people that say, can we do this migration tomorrow? And it's bit me because, of course, I'm thinking, hey, that's 350 bucks tomorrow. I wasn't expecting. That can cause problems if you don't do your list and your processes the, the correct way. So now I don't have that expectation unless – I mean I've had some people in a dire Gmail emergency and I I seriously have had to do some Gmail surgery on their stuff prior to the migration even. And then I move them to Exchange and they're like, wow, that was like night and day because they had Google Apps and it didn't work too well. Hmm. And now I'm like, now you're on the perfect one because they had iPhones and iPads and Google Apps didn't work well with those. so. I got real lucky. <laughs> yeah. I can I can fight those fires fast, but you know Marvin, the thing is, is that you know you learned a lot from this migration, and it was your first.
1: It's the first full migration, yeah. and uh, it was not. It wasn't pretty, but the speed issue, the expectation issue, that wasn't even the best yeah. part of it.
0: What was the best part of it?
1: The best part was <laughs> when they moved over to the new provider, and they started to work Monday, some of the users started to get a notice that their activation or subscription was not valid.
0: Oh, Oh, for Office 365 Office? Yes. No, they lost their subscription
1: they Yes, because I somehow naively believed them when they said that they all had purchased Office
0: 2013. Oh. Hmm. What, when the home version?
1: When in fact, what they had done was um, since there was 19 of them, they had purchased five of the Office premium packages so they could get the five users of software. Oh,
0: so they were cheating, piggybacking, and
1: And then for stealing. the other accounts, they had just purchased the email portion. So when we moved them over, The people that had the proper premium subscription were fine, but everybody else did not have fully licensed download
0: desktop. So it cost them tons of money to update the software.
1: They've got to redo that. So the whole reason that they switched over, thinking that they would save money, basically turned around and bit them in the backside. Oh my God! Because now they're spending more.
0: They actually paid you two for the migration. Yes. They had to buy 14 more subscriptions for Office 2013. Yes. Downtime, plus three biggies. Yep. Frustrated employees. And they got nothing different in terms of exchange. No. And Oh, wait, wait, wait. Then let's add the fifth part. They have the crappy sales and support people from the company. <laughs> <Yeah>. Five Oh <laughs> five. Oh, man.
1: Well, it worked out great for me because – There were a lot of those issues where when that came up, I was like, well, you need to call your provider because they sold you the wrong packages.
0: Yeah, and And that's your
1: fault. You know, but the funny thing was they looked at me as, can you help us? And I had to tell them, I I can't help you. I can guide you and tell you what you should have done or what you can do now to fix it. But the problem is they sold you the wrong package. Nobody checked to see if what they were selling you was proper. And I did probably get a little frustrated uh, Wednesday afternoon where I finally had to just stop them and say, look, I wanted to take the proper time to vet yeah. this whole project, and you wouldn't give it to me. So you can't come <laughs> back at me now yelling at me, it's not even my product. I didn't sell you this. I'm, I'm helping. tech. You. That's I'm something hel- I can
0: say. I hate saying it. I'm just the tech here. So mm-hmm. I'm not the salesperson. That's why I have to give a little pitch for my lovely after people there, Marvin. You you call their sales department, you get a sales guy. They're not going to oversell you on a product if you don't need it. You call in for tech support, you get a tech guy who's not going to sell you anything, or a tech girl, whatever. It It's so nice to work with a professional company that's not going to like work as a hustler, you know, just to get a new commission that call, and they're not gonna, you know, say, hey, let me email you back right away so I can work with you further. I get that all the time, and um, that's why, it's, to me, it's just nice to have one provider, one everything. But yeah. so, are you planning on doing more migrations moving ahead?
1: Well, I don't think we have a choice. It's <laughs> <That's laughs> what we think, do. I think the world is 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 moving to. This cloud solution yeah. and Office 365. I, I will also say that I have been using App River for a couple of my clients. Nice. Let me rephrase that. One of my biggest clients got App River. Oh. And I worked with them. So it's not like I recommended them.
0: Are you a referral partner now?
1: I am a referral partner now. Yes. So I do have some other clients that are using it. But, you know, hands down, from my experience over the last two, two and a half years. Yeah. App River has never let us down. No, and the little issues that have come up were things that had nothing to do with App River, had nothing to do with Office three sixty five. Um, so you can't really blame them for any of that. But their support has always been there, uh, not just for me from a technical standpoint. But for customers also, customers can call them up and get the help that they need, and they're not having to depend on us and exactly and all of that. You're
0: res- okay. There's two different plans. You can be in the partner program or the reseller plan, and you're in the partner, right?
1: I'm in the partner plan. Oh, yeah. yes. I I just uh, decided that I didn't want to get into reselling right. and have to be that first point of contact. No. Um, it, it you know the 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 extra money that I would get from being a reseller, it would be nice. But that's really not... But we don't I'm have about. the
0: manpower, Marvin. We're independent contract, or consultants. I'll use that word. It's much better. And I personally tell every client, like, call them first, then call me because I'm going to bill you. So if you're having a problem with your server or something, call them first. And I've had no complaints from the clients and no complaints from App River about selling it that way. You know, Because that's, they're my team of exchange administrators. right. I don't have to be an exchange administrator now. I can do what I do best.
1: Well, the funny thing is, is I still get to bill my clients a monthly uh, service fee, uh, because basically the way that part of my plan works is I bill them based on the number of servers, the number of desktops, yep. and the number of services that I have to support. So whenever a person is added or you know terminated. Basically, I do that. So I log in and set up the accounts. I, So I'm still getting something.
0: Yeah. You're an IT administrator for that company. Yeah. Yes. The problem between me – there's no problem, but the difference between your business and my business is that I don't have monthly billing for my clients. I am break-fix on that level. So what I do is I turn around at the end of an exchange migration and offer the clients a support ticket, which is equal to your monthly billing then they can use me for IT administration purposes and I'm getting much better at selling those now. (laughs) I've learned the pitch. I've learned the value add for me to say, well, here's how much the migration is going to be 600 and then let's just put a support ticket on top of that so then you can use me all the time and they're like done. I've made it real simple to just say most of my clients buy a support ticket. I mean they do, but I mean I tell them that so it helps. (laughs) I, I want to be their IT support person, you know, and I like, after a migration, I've kind of become, you know, like, I feel like they're a, a real client at that point. And they're just not going to dump me. Some do. I'll get dumped.
1: But I think that's the nature of the way things are going yeah. now. They, they hire us to get the job done and then they're that's off right. and running. And, you know, of course, they're being told by some of these cloud providers yeah, you know, not just Office 365, but a lot of the other cloud products you don't need a tech. You don't need an IT person.
0: Oh no, just use yet, us. Yet, anytime
1: there's a problem, that same cloud provider saying, "Well, you need to hide. you need to find somebody to help you."
0: Well, I know AppRiver tells their people to find a local tech. Yeah, yeah, and I think that um, it's important for a company to have somebody to rely on for IT stuff, even if they're small. I do get hired to do migration work with. Uh, Actually, by – and this is a a pitch for me to the listeners – is other technicians will call me to come in and do the migration, but they're the IT person, but they just Mm -hmm. don't want to learn it. They just would say, Lisa, two things. You either do it or let's do it together to save my company some money. So like this um, client I have coming on at the beginning of June, Brian from Iowa, I talked about in the last show, he hired me to do 17 mailboxes. And he did the bulk of the work because he was on site. Right. And I gave him the instructions, and through just my consulting help, he actually did it. I don't think he's going to want to do another one, you know, because he, ha- <laughs> he has a job already. Right. But it actually saved his company, I don't know, a couple thousand probably. So, yeah. And he got to learn it, and he's techie, and he heard me on the PodNuts network. So I, it was a fun job. I actually liked it. We still have the other half of the migration to do here soon. But uh, but anyway, the point is, is that, you know... Um, the text out there listening. Now, you have opportunities to do the migration work or outsource it. And Office 365, now, I know, Marvin, you have experience with it, but it's not something that's easy for everybody to figure out and sell.
1: And, selling is tough because yeah. depending on whether you're going to go straight to Microsoft and get one of their multi-plan systems or you're going to go through another provider, you know, AppRivers is pretty simple. You know they don't have yeah. you know twenty plans to choose from, yeah. but some of the other providers do. A couple extra do. bucks,
0: It's a couple extra bucks a month. Yeah. But I tell my clients, those two dollars, two dollars per mailbox is worth not hanging on the phone with Microsoft for hours, and and I'm billing you at one thirty an hour. Yeah. <laughs> so that to me, they as soon as I tell them that, they're like, yeah, I'll go with that program.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and a product that's not just from a support standpoint, but from a you know, yeah. product standpoint, it is solid. Yeah.
0: Do you sell a lot of the full, the full packages with, like, even Yammer on there and all
1: that? No, most of my clients are pretty much just the Exchange. Mm-hmm. Um, we are going to be adding archiving yeah. to one of the clients. Yep. And the big bulk of my smaller clients that are medical offices, we're doing the encryption okay. uh, on the email.
0: Yep. I have their spam filter. It's called SecureTide. And uh, I like the product. I mean, except I have to change my settings, I think, a little. But, uh, you know, it does a pretty good job of keeping my inbox pretty clean and my junk mail down to just very few emails. I like it.
1: Okay. I mean, and, that's uh,
0: pretty
1: hadn't nice. used that. Their, their uh, built-in spam protection with the Outlook, you know, has been working pretty good oh, for my Oh, it's client.
0: nice. I actually have a client that I talked about in the last show that lives down in the tropical islands down Way south of Florida, and he within a couple of days already said that he wasn't even sure he needed a spam filter because the exchange was so awesome. I mean, it just declutters.
1: Yeah, it does. Yeah. What's funny is I, every now and then I'll get a forwarded message where somebody will find a spam in their mailbox <laughs> and be like, "What's this?" And I have to tell them, "Look, spam filtering is not a hundred percent, so you're going to get a, no. a few every now and then."
0: No. Yeah, I, I actually, you know, I've been trying to push more of the, the secure tied on, but people don't really need it. But I, I know there's some people that do, and the product's there. Um, I, I actually want to talk to you still about, uh, you know, you talked earlier about people with SharePoint and OneDrive. Mm-hmm. Do you have a lot of clients using them successfully right now?
1: None.
0: Oh, I know. I hate to say that, too.
1: <laughs> well, let me rephrase that. None of them are using it through Office 365. I do have some clients that are using the old SharePoint through their small business server. Yep.
0: Yep. Well, that's um, old school. That actually that, worked. Yeah. <laughs> I used to do SharePoint administration for a company that worked.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I just did top level stuff. You know, first yeah. level stuff. But the um, I've been I've been trying to keep up with the techs on TechNibble talking about the SharePoint and OneDrive problems. And um, the one solution I found that does work is to map a drive on Windows to the SharePoint server and bypass downloading the sync tool. Hmm. And I have a video on YouTube, which I'll put in the show notes, um, about that. I made the video because it took me a long time to figure it out. I've got like seven or 800 views on YouTube now for it. But it basically bypasses the sync tool and it becomes a, a map drive. Right. I make it the S drive for SharePoint and... It can be tricky because it can disconnect. Um, you know, if you go offline, it disconnects, and you just have to reconnect it again. But there's just a few settings that you just configure once, and it should stay.
1: And you can probably just set a little batch file so that they lose connection, they can just you know
0: what Brian did file. that Brian, yeah. the guy who's on my show next week, did create um, some kind of shortcut link for his users to click on, and it reattaches it. Yep. Yeah. So maybe he'll be nice and give that out people (laughs) but uh, yeah I'm not I don't know I don't really actually get a lot of calls for the OneDrive and SharePoint because I took it off my marketing but I do help people with it and I still do my best Um, I don't deny a call unless they want full SharePoint intranet you know big job then I have that referral person I have
1: yeah I'll have to look at the OneDrive stuff you know I'm just not big on in house syncing to the yeah. cloud, it's. Uh, I did have a customer that I had to go see a, a couple of weeks ago, yeah. where they were complaining about their speeds, mm-hmm. and I went and took my testers and found out that all of them were using a personal Dropbox account.
0: Nice. To save all their files, <laughs> and not sharing so, within the team Dropbox, but personal,
1: right? Yeah, it was all personal, and it was all. They were all trying to access files at the same time and then share oh, right. them. And then on top of that, they're sending, you know, big email file attachments. And I had to tell them, I said, you're using all of your bandwidth trying to sync. Instead, you should be having an in-house server where you're sharing your files that way instead of having, I think it was eight people trying to sync up and down at the same time. Choking the
0: network. (laughs) So I
1: I know that that's going to be a big thing soon. Yeah. Companies are going to want to start doing that. But I really have to research the impact that it's having on local local networks.
0: Yeah, well the thing is is how many people t- can make it cost effective, you know what i mean? Like how many people in an office need to have a file sharing server, you know, without and that's all they do. Right. You know, i just know that most of my clients a lot of them don't even work in the same office. So they have to use the Dropbox. Well, and that's and, a
1: little different. I mean, yeah. if you're not if you're not in the same office, i can understand, but yeah. this one client, they're all in the same office. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's and they're also the ones that have slow internet downloads and they need to up everything. And yeah. I don't know. I think I got a call from a client this last week who needed me for some Outlook help. He's the CEO of a pretty big company and um, they're all on Pop, which I was like, why are you guys on Pop? You're 250 people and your company should be on exchange. And and he was like, "Well, I guess I never thought about it." And I said, "Well, look, here's the quick and dirty. It's going to cost you 250 bucks a month for the exchange boxes. It's going to cost you about 10 grand for the migration. They don't need everybody on exchange." And um and he just said that, you know, we just never you know thought about that. And um I'm you know, they're all in one office. So if I end up doing that migration, Marvin, that's 50 people in one office. So to me, you know, what you think about? Yeah, and the, right now, they um, I think they have their own server. I don't remember. But they were kind of like, you know, they just until they started seeing the need for the salespeople and everything else to need the cloud and everything, I'm not going to work with that. But I think they were the ones that told me they had a server that hadn't been maintained or updated. I was like, what? Like, how long has it been? You know? Well,
1: <laughs> like, if you
0: have a server... If they're
1: using Pop copy. for their email with that many people, they probably have a server that's just serving up a few files. And
0: <laughs> I never got into servers, so that's out of my territory. I just help people move away from them. <laughs> All right, Marvin, do you have anything else to add to our lovely stories here today?
1: No, I just uh, basically reiterate the point that have a checklist. Yeah. And use it before you start the migration.
0: Yeah. Well, my checklist show was just a few days ago. It hasn't been published yet. So it's on show number 21, I just did. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to add to it check internet speed.
1: Upload and download speeds.
0: Hold on. Let me take a note here real quick. And also subscriptions for Microsoft. Yes. (laughs) See if they have one already. I'm going to make sure I get this. Subscriptions for Microsoft. Office 365 and internet speeds. Okay, so I'm going to add these to my checklist. My show last time was um, a checklist for the owners and a checklist for each employee, Marvin. All right? Because each employee, I go through them and ask them of their own personal questions as well. It's very worthwhile.
1: Do you have on that checklist a reminder for them to delete messages they don't need?
0: Uh, no. You think one that should of, be on there as a? I think so because
1: want? because one of the the big mailboxes that I had, the gentleman had thirty four thousand deleted oh, items.
0: God. I just moan because that's another you know, many hours said, of uploading them. Yeah, I said
1: <laughs> this deleted items is your trash. Yeah, Do you really need your trash? He's like, well, not really, but I like to look at it. I said, okay, well, how far back do you need to look at it? Because he had mail going back to 2005. In but, Marvin,
0: a, a, the trash is a database.
1: Well, I just tell him, you know, think of your trash <laughs> just like your house trash. When you take it out to the, to the you know, den, it's, it's out there. And if you really want to run out there the next day and, you know, rummage through your trash, that's one thing. But once you take it to the curb it's gone and that's how you need to treat your deleted items box well because that's probably not... <laughs> yeah but you know and for he was one of the people that kept complaining how long it was taking and i said well oh. if you didn't keep if you didn't keep 34,000 items in your deleted items box it would go much yeah. faster
0: i'm going to add that to the list actually and and delete any folders you don't want um you know here's what i've kind of changed marvin with some of my migrations if they're on pop i the thing is, I like making a copy of the PST file because then I can import it into the same profile faster. You know, right. that's how I'm doing it. A lot of times, if it's IMAP, you have to export it to a PST so I can import it. And, I, you know, my fear is that somebody would go and delete a bunch of stuff and then, oh, I needed it. Right. You told me to delete it. And now what? And I deleted, like, all of last year's financial reports, you know? I don't know. Maybe I'll say something.
1: But yeah, I, again, that's part of the whole... You know, pre-checklist of going through yeah. and do you need this? Do you need this? The, the thing I liked about the code tool backup that I did, uh-huh. it obviously would not have worked for them in a sense where I did not want to have to go on site, manually back up yeah. the computer. Although, I could see where that comes in handy because the backup that I still have Is still in a format that they really can't use unless I restore it. But it was so much faster to use that tool.
0: Yeah. See, my stuff is all I remote into each person's computer. I export the calendar, the contacts, the tasks. Then I export out the IMAP or the Exchange. And uh, even if they have Exchange, I still do the calendar and contacts because I want that in the server first because it can take so
1: long. This this code two backup did all that.
0: Nice. I mean, Inverse
1: I too.
0: Yeah. Marvin, don't make me start thinking about doing migrations over 20 now.
1: Hey. I'm
0: going to need a team because I just...
1: <laughs> you do what you've got to do, but...
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm kind of like thinking, I've, 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 I'll just tell everybody I'm going to start hiring on some people so I can get out of doing the pre-migration and after. So it's really stuff I could train a tech to do, and then I can work on sales and the DNS work and the aftercare, which the aftercare is my favorite. You know,
1: well, I can tell you, this is a job where I missed having a tech. Um,
0: I know, great work. Had,
1: when I had tech, so I could have just sent him there say, get all this information for me and I wouldn't have felt rushed.
0: Um. Yeah. Well, you know what? We also, You like your life the way it is. I think I'm going to like having an assistant and I'm working on hiring a contractor to help with migrations as well because, I don't know, I'm just kind of like it's not boring work to me. It's just really... Step by step by step, I could hire someone to do that, and I want to do the stuff that actually, you know, is what I should be doing, not the exporting, 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 and troubleshooting issues like that. Right. Yeah. All right, Marvin. Coming up, everybody, is um, next Sunday is Mike Smith from the Mike Tech Show. We're going to do a live show. Hopefully, you can get the notes on that. I'll put it in the show. I also have uh, after him, the guy Brian from Iowa, who I helped with the migration, who was a PodNuts follower. And I'm gonna close the show, Marvin. Do you got any final notes?
1: Uh have a happy holiday.
0: Yeah. Tomorrow's <laughs> Memorial Day for those that are listening later. All right. Well, this has been a PodNuts production audio supported by Mitch Hammond. Thanks again to our sponsor, App River. Be sure to check out other Podnuts podcasts, Podnuts Daily. Android Apps Addicts, Linux for the rest of us, and the Geeksters. I'm Lisa Hendrickson. Check you out next time. (laughs) Bye-bye.
1: Bye.